saw a post on LinkedIn that literally made me say, I have to talk to this person. So of course, me being me, what did I do? I told him I had to talk to him. (laughs) And now he's on the podcast. Everyone, meet Moby. This is one hell of a story. Really identify with this guy and admire what he's done and are a future admirer what he's going to do. So listen up. Moby, thanks so much for joining us here on Relish the Journey. I'm excited to dive into your journey. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm super excited for this podcast. So if you would indulge me, I'm going to do a brief recap of your journey, just very high level, mm-hmm. and then we'll let you get into it. But how we met was LinkedIn. I saw a post you put on LinkedIn. as I was commenting on other videos and things people were, were putting out there, and you had this carousel post where you saw – where we all saw your journey. And of course I saw the word journey and I was like, okay, let's check it out. And mm-hmm. it blew me away. And I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. So here's a brief overview of what those slides were. So you moved from Pakistan to Texas for college at the age of 19, took mm-hmm. your first job you were offered out of college just so you could stay in the U.S. You wanted to start your own business, but you actually weren't allowed to on a work visa. Your little, uh, Side note there was, it was illegal to make money outside of your day job, as goofy as that sounds. Then you started a podcast to scratch your entrepreneurial itch, which obviously I relate to. Then you worked your job for five years while helping others for free and continuing to make content, just honing your own skills. You became a permanent resident of the United States in 2019, got your dream job in 2019, got laid off in 2020, (laughs) thanks to our good friend, the coronavirus, and... Since then, you've found a business partner. Partner, You recently hosted an 80-speaker conference. You started a thought leader accelerator. And now you're talking to me. It's been quite a ride for you, man. Yeah, man. Great, great summary. It's been quite a ride. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And all that up to this podcast. Let's do it. So people see you now as Moby on LinkedIn, making videos, putting really good pieces of thought leadership out there. But if we roll the clock back to that moment when you step foot on U.S. soil and you're going to be a college student, tell me about that guy. You know, how have you changed since, you know, when you say it's all led up to this moment, can you look back and see how everything sort of added up or are there some things that seem like outliers in what's brought you here? Nothing as an outlier as much as, you know, every story seems to have this. Every, every, a story that a lot of people revere is something, there's something special about this person, yada, yada, yada. I, in the last 10 years, the biggest thing that I look about, look at and think about and actually appreciate is the fact that at 19, when I moved to the U.S., I was just infested with doubts, insecurities, uh, indecisiveness. Um, I was extremely lost. Like I think 19 to 25, I was just this lost kid trying to figure out anything. It was uncomfortable almost in all, all situations and I really liked my comfort zone so much so that, and I'm jumping ahead, but like I was so uncomfortable with just being uncomfortable that uh, I, I had tickets to see the Eagles in Austin and I was so uncomfortable that I didn't go. I was like, I can't do big crowds. Hmm. That, that, it was that bad at one point. And so what changed it for you? I mean, 
staring at those tickets you bought and not using them? Was that like a, a tipping point for you or when was enough enough and you decided to make a change? I think it was my, so I came to the U.S. I didn't really know what I was going to study. Um, I had been primed my first 19 years entirely to become a doctor because that was my doctor. That was what my dad uh, studied and he wanted me to become a doctor. The U.S. was a big departure from what my parents' lives, uh, my parents' life plan for me was. And I came to the U.S. I studied economics. I picked that major because it looked familiar. And I was just stumbling. You know, I just come out of someone else's plan for my life. I was just trying to figure out my own. And I was horrible at school. Calculus, I failed twice. Um, was scared of public speaking. But the first spark ever was my introduction to tech, which was this idea that I can ideate something in my head and make a website for that idea. Uh, I had this idea for like an online service to help college kids, uh, high school kids with their college essays back in 2012. Um, I couldn't do it legally, but I made the website, made it free and just experiment and taught myself. And that feeling of confidence that I learned this on my own, that it's me that learned this skill, me that went through this journey of a few months to learn WordPress, learn some design, actually make a Facebook page, build something. That was the, like the spark of, oh, I can be confident at the things I want to be. That just got me started on this journey. Um, and it's been like an amazing seven years after. But that was the big spark. Like I can actually be confident at something that I myself choose to be good at. And it's all me. That was a big turning point. And I think it's very American too. Like in the, the individual and doing your own thing, that's a very American value, I feel like, which I'm super grateful for. Yeah, it's the old idea, you know, by the bootstraps, right? You taught yourself, put yeah. yourself up. And I love too in your in your LinkedIn bio, you talk about how I think you have it executions greater than ideas, right? And so it sort of speaks to that, right? You you could have had this idea, right? You ideated this thing for the essays. But none of that matters until you actually build the website and do the thing. So many people get caught up in what they're going to do. They don't actually start doing it. So I've found that too, you know, in everything I've done. I've taught mm -hmm. myself how to podcast and figure out how we're even having this conversation right now, right? The videos that yeah. I do, you know, everything that I've been a part of, it's, it's very similar where it's at some point you just realize, okay, if I'm actually going to do this, I got to do this. I just got to start <laughs> And then it becomes addicting. Like you said, like you didn't like public yeah. speaking and now you, you're doing it all over the place, right? You can go to an Eagles game and now it's like what you do for a living is talk. Um, but so much of that just happens. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the craziest muscle. Like the more you work it out, it just exponentially grows. It's like the biggest bicep ever is that execution muscle. <laughs> uh, I really like that. The biggest bicep ever <laughs> is the execution. Uh, yeah, like, and I, um, there's this book, I think, uh, Drive by Daniel Pink, where he talks about, uh, just what makes employees stick. And one of the biggest things is, uh, and you might know this, but it's self-determination theory, which is like when you give people the feeling that they're determining their own future, it's just so addicting and combine that with, I think it's autonomy. And I think the third one is confidence. Those three things will drive a person to greater and greater heights. And once you just get a spark of each of them a little bit, it just compounds in a more and more drive and just keeps you going for a long time. Just like you did with podcasting. And now you have the easiest podcast setup in the world. I'm so impressed by this, man. Oh, thanks. It. Yeah, it's literally, it's uh, I found this cord 
maybe like two years ago now. It's it's a microphone cable, plugs into the mm-hmm. the input of my soundboard, and the other end plugs into my phone. So I can just Amazing. sit back and talk. And before that, I'd have people on phone. I would literally have the phone on speaker and hold it up to the microphone <laughs> and record it down. <laughs> Again, going through execution, right? I, I didn't know the best way to do it, but I knew a way to do it, and I got it done for many episodes that way. And now it's much I don't have my arm doesn't get as tired holding the phone up to the microphone. Yeah. So what was your dream job that you got last year that unfortunately you lost with everything going on in the world today? Was it in economics? Yeah. Or? No, no. So uh when I actually got that idea for tech, uh like like this fascination with tech in college, um I transitioned into a CS minor and I worked for five years at Dell. Uh, in regulatory compliance, I was pretty much their IT admin plus project manager plus program manager over time. My, and I've been podcasting about um, startups and like interviewing startup founders, trying to figure out what made them tick, what made a startup successful, what do you need, trying to meet potential investors for an idea that I thought I would have had by then. But my dream job in 2019 uh, was running a startup accelerator. So managing a team of 15 people across four cities in Texas to run the accelerator of Texas, the most active VC in Texas, which is Capital Factory, um, which is co-working. It has a VC fund. It has an accelerator. And their goal was to grow from like hundreds startups accepted in the startup accelerator to 150 and for someone to come run that process. And I was like, ooh, that is I want to do that. I want to help a lot more startups and get paid doing it. And I just jumped into it. And what a beautiful team. I love that team. But things happened. And uh, in March, um, South by got canceled. Sponsorship went out the window. Coworking died. And we hopped on a call with the CEO at 9 a.m. I don't know. Yeah, I've told the story enough times that one day he's going to come out and actually curse me out for sharing a story. But <laughs> it's going to happen. And like 90 people hopped in the call and he said, I'm super proud of what you did during these last two weeks once COVID hit, hit. but you know, uh, we can't support the company and we're going to have to furlough half of you and you'll get an email. And he hung up the phone. People were crying. I left the meeting. I checked my mail email. There was no email. I was like, okay, I'm not furloughed. It's fine. I refresh and there's the email. Oh man. And so, Yeah. Uh, that was a moment of panic. It was like, oh, shit. I just got uh, laid off in the middle middle of a global pandemic and economic downturn. I've got no immediate family in the U.S. What the hell am I going to do? But things worked out as they do. But that was quite, that was quite a I, – I really am grateful for the fact that I was there, and I'm extremely grateful that I got laid off. Well, see, there you go. Now you can't yell at you. You, you ended with the gratefulness. So, you know, good news. <laughs> I'm curious though. So 9 a.m. you get furloughed. What are you doing at 10 a.m.? Are you, are you oh. crying into a beer or are you already starting this next thing? What was the progression like? Dude, that's a, it's funny you ask that. As soon as the call ended, I walked down, I, I walked down to the apartment uh, building office and I just told them what happened. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm laid off. I don't know when rent's going to come next. They're like, okay, okay. That's the first thing I did. The second thing I did five minutes after I came back and I 
took out my phone and I think it was, no, I'm the iPad. And I just looked in the camera and I recorded a video saying, Hey team, um, I just got furloughed. So, and I talked for like a minute and then I put that down. I did not post it because I didn't want my dad to find out I was laid off through social media and he was, I tried calling him, but he was asleep, different time zone. So I was like, okay. And then I just started filing my expenses. Like, okay, what can I cut, 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 cut. And I got rid of a bunch of things. And then I think at three or four, it actually hit. And I definitely did have a cry because I was just so scared. But the next day, once my dad knew, I posted that video and said, hey, this is what happened. Some people reached out and two things happened. Number one, somebody reached out and said, hey, I have this client who needs some content coaching and I know you'll be good at it, so why don't you try it? And that's where the content coaching business started. The second thing happened from that very post about my furlough was somebody reached out and said, hey, I'm hosting this online conference. Do you want to help? And I looked at that online conference at like 10 p.m. that night because we talked maybe at 11 p.m. I don't know. I was just talking on the phone that day trying to be like, what's the next step? What's the next step? And I looked at his website and I was like, wait, I know this platform that he's using. And I was like, why don't we have a virtual conference for businesses that have been screwed by this pandemic and economic downturn? And so my first reaction was definitely panic. My second was crying. And the third was the idea. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm impressed by your initial reaction was so like methodical. Tell them rent might be late. Itemize the expenses. Like I feel like... I, I just feel like in my situation, I would just be pissed right away. You wouldn't be thinking about that stuff at all, but you were just like, boom, all business. Then you got the cry <laughs> out, and then you went to work. That's that's impressive. Also impressive uh, that so early in this thing, a lot of people were just poo-pooing it, like, oh, it's going to pass in two weeks, right? But you were already like just going all in. All right, we're doing this conference, because it, it was a risk, right? It, this thing could have passed in two weeks, and then – you're doing this virtual conference that doesn't matter anymore because the trade shows are back on, but you went all mm-hmm. in and just doubled down on it. And now you, you have what you have going on, which is really cool. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, I would, I would admit that that was probably shock that propelled me. Sure. Uh, yeah. Just the adrenaline from the whole thing. And it was, uh, what we did afterwards was it reminds me of this quote, which is if you want to go fast, do it alone if you want to go further do it with somebody else and like i my business partner we've been working for like four months and we're both like side hustling it but that was when like i went full-time into this i turned down a job in the first three days and it was like he was like yeah dude whatever you decide to do well i'll fucking i'll have your back and that was exceptionally exceptionally helpful to be like okay whatever I do whatever we decide to do together. He's going to have my back. And he's such a strong executor and operator that I was like, we can figure this out. So that was helpful. So what does a content coach do? You said they have a whole business around that. Is that helping people figure out what content they're going to post? Yeah. So great question. I am honestly trying to figure that out myself as I do it. Uh, So I, I had never been big on coaching, but now I'm like, so when somebody said content coach, um, when somebody reached out and said, Hey, do you want to like coach somebody on their content? And I was like, yeah, they paid for three hours of my time. I hopped on to a call with one of their clients and I just talked to them. And I realized that 
people. Th- that was the first time when somebody had paid me to help them walk through a problem that I had overcome over the last two years with a lot of work, which was this idea that I want to be out there. I want to build a personal brand and leverage that into growth for my business, more connections, more opportunities, um, a bigger audience. But like there's obstacles in my way, which is I don't know what to post. I don't know where to post. I don't know how to be confident on camera. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do once I post it. Um, and it's that internal monologue and like those doubts and insecurities that I really tried to work on over the last few years. I was like, wait, people have this obstacle inside them, which is they want to be out there. They want to make videos, but they're not doing it. Why is that? That to me is, I think, the goal of a content coach. But that's what we started off with. But I realized that it was a little too, what's the right word for it, uh, vague for me, which was, I, I guess I would love to be paid to sit in front of somebody and basically have them talk about their problems around content. And I just poke and ask and help support them. But like it wasn't tangible enough. So we took that one-on-one coaching model. We took an online course that I've made in 2019 about content. And instead of coaching people one-on-one, I was like, okay, let's put ourselves through the fire and let's make up a six or eight week curriculum where we teach people in a group coaching session live um, around this problem. So we call it a content accelerator. We are basically forced to view the results of what we teach. So people do the homework or they make content or not. And we get to learn from those people. Um, so that was my kind of, that's a long answer to basically what a content coach does and where we took it from a coach to more of a group coaching program versus a one-on-one coach. Oh, it makes sense. And yeah, there's so many coaching types out there, right? And then you get mentor thrown in and consultant thrown in and it can be a little bit ambiguous and hard to wrap your arms around. Um, and then it makes sense. You drew upon the whole idea of uh, an accelerator from that dream job, right? And then you kind of mashed the two together and it seems like a good fit for your experience. I dig it. Yeah. And you know, it, it, this, and I, I, um, I don't know, have you ever made an online course? I just made my first one during the pandemic, um, working from oh, home. I was like, no. Oh, let's try it. Cause same, same, I'm very, I'm wired similar to you. It sounds where I just, I have an idea. Yeah. I'll think about it. And I'm like, okay, enough thinking about this. Let me just do it and figure out what, what it really is going to take. Cause I have no idea until I start. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did one about how to monetize a podcast without ads. Um, mm. Because I don't layer ads in mine, but I do make money in some ways, either through the podcast or on the podcast. And so I put down that whole methodology of the way I approach it and sort of a different mindset around making money through a podcast and put it up in a, an online course. So I've done one Amazing. and I'm still dabbling. I think I launched it literally last um, one month ago. So now I'm dabbling awesome. in the, okay, I did this thing. It's not, if you build it, they will come. You've got to let people know it's out there and drive people <laughs> to the course, right? So I'm in that stage now. So a little bit of experience. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I did something similar. Uh, as soon as I, get the, I got the green card, my first kind of product was like teaching my ways of content. Um, and I made an online course. And the mistake I made, was it was too big it was nine hours of work nine hours of content and i would i was throwing information at people versus giving them skills and a very tangible result um 
it was like, hey, here's everything I know about making content. And uh, like we sold 2024 seats uh, in the first two months, in the first month or two. And I would meet these people afterwards and I was like, and I, I would ask them like, hey, did you finish the course? How's it going? I don't see you making a lot of content. And they said, no, I didn't. I just, and they would say the reason. And I looked around and I realized not, most people didn't finish the course. I know the online, the, the online course completion rate is like less than 10%, but it felt super bad to put something out there and make people pay money, make people pay money for it that they didn't finish and get the result they wanted. And so this accelerator is kind of a live version of the course, but really trying to understand what exactly are we giving people and watching their faces in the one and a half hour sessions every week and like being like, okay, that, okay, interesting. That didn't land well, or that landed super well, or these people are asking questions about something that I never thought of teaching. It's just a lot of feedback, which is making us better teachers, making the students more successful. And the goal is to do maybe have a higher ticket online course down the line with coaching, but it's just such a good learning opportunity to do it live with people. Sure. And then, yeah, it's the instant feedback versus, like you said, putting it out there, 24 people take it, and then you don't hear anything. And so you don't know what worked or what didn't work, right? So that makes sense. Instant feedback so you, yeah, can, you can iterate and make it better and better and better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, my first online course sucked. I hope yours is much more <laughs> successful and people finish it, worse, unlike mine. Yeah, we'll see. Mine was a nine hours. I think it's a little over an hour. I did try to keep it brief because I'd heard that from other people, right? Don't go too crazy. Um, but I might, right, have, might have to take stuff. your accelerator idea and, and just try uh, like a mastermind version of it, you know? Uh, it's, it's a good idea. Oh, hell yeah. Let me know whenever you want to talk about that. Yeah, I will. So what's what's next for you? In that post that I, I started this podcast with, you said, you know, I'm not done yet. So yeah. you're hitting your stride. What's on the horizon for you? Yeah, dude. So we've... Um, we figured out this internal problem that our customers have. These customers, usually solopreneurs, uh, these are, uh, they're tech savvy. They're, they don't have huge businesses, but they're doing things on their own. They might be consultants, coaches, uh, designers, educators, but they want to make their own content. We have, we're, we have that accelerator program for people like that so we can understand them more, give them value in the life setting, and we're on our second court now, and we plan to have another one this year. Um, and our goal is basically keep the business out and basically understand them better so we can serve them better in 2021. Um, the other part is like people who might have similar problems of, I don't want to be on camera, but I need to, but I don't have any time to open up a video editing software or learn how to do it myself. I need somebody to do it for me. These, those kind of executives and more established entrepreneurs, we have a client like that. And our goal is to figure out what their exact problems are, how they think about their problems, what they're actually looking for in terms of content. Um, so we're going to be focusing a lot more on the non-accelerator start side of things and going into the services side to be like, and start these conversations with people with the goal of obviously getting some clients. But 2020 for us is like, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan to be doing this. I was, if I, it was up to me, I probably would have saved a bunch more and then done this whole business thing. But I, I now realize, and it's been happening to me, understand your customers, understand your customers. 
So we're going to lean heavy in the services side and try to understand our customers more by serving them and iterating our process. So that in 2021, we're equipped for both the accelerator and the service services side to scale that into a business, which is, which has been a dream for a while, actually, since 2012. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, you yeah. say it's been a dream for a while. When you look back on the whole journey from, you know, that first step on U.S. soil to what you're doing now, how would you summarize it all in three words? <laughs> oh, well, that's a very specific and hard and great question. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it gets better. I dig it. Oh, well, oh shit. Good. Uh, actually, I, I have this whole thing, which is, I, I like to think of it, it gets better and you get better. Either one of those. So I'll just say, it gets better. It gets better. Yeah, we'll throw that in parentheses. And you get better. I ask yeah, every guest that three quite three words question, and yeah. that, and that becomes the name of your episode. So how's that? Put a bow on it. It gets oh, better, and you no, get better. No, really? Oh, that's uh, oh my god, man. That's that's so creative. Well done. Thanks. It's worked out. Yeah. Without fail. Been doing it for almost three years now. This show. It always ends up being a great summary of the conversation we just had when I asked that question at the very end. So it just makes sense to do it. So cool. Well, hey, man, I have loved this conversation and getting to know you better than just trading comments on LinkedIn. When uh, people listen to this and after they get jazzed about what you're doing like I have, where do you want us to send them? To your LinkedIn page? You got a website? Where, where do we send the good folks? Yeah, man, tell them to uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Awesome. Will do, man. Well, thanks for sharing some time this evening and sharing your journey. I know so many people listening are going to be inspired into action based on the words you've shared. So thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you on LinkedIn. And thank you for inviting me here. I really, really appreciate it. What a story. That was Moby, everyone. Go and check him out on LinkedIn please rate and subscribe to this podcast. It gets us in front of people like this guy so we can continue to bring you awesome stories, awesome journeys to help you level up in your own journey. As always, I am Miles Biggs. This is Relish the Journey. Cheers.